0: Hi, and welcome back to Healing Quest, your healthy lifestyle show. I'm Roy Walkenhorst.
1: And I'm Judy Brooks. And if you've listened to us on a regular basis, well, first of all, thank you very much. So you know that when we talk about a healthy lifestyle, we're focusing on things like integrative health and energy medicine and natural ways of achieving optimum well-being.
0: It's a big and sometimes confusing topic, For example, a major report was released this week from the American Gastroenterological Association and it has some unpleasant things to say about something millions of us do every day and that is take a probiotic. Well, the report says that except in a few cases, quote, the
1: public's assumptions about the benefits of probiotics are not well-founded. Okay, the report was based on a review of existing research and studies and says, quote, For the majority of the digestive diseases we studied, currently, there is not enough evidence to recommend using probiotics. Okay, I don't believe that.
0: So as regular listeners of our show may recall, Judy and I have covered probiotics extensively on our 20-year healing quest, and we've become big fans of spore-based probiotics from a company called Just Thrive Probiotics, based on the extensive research that we've seen from them, as well as anecdotal evidence.
1: Roy and I have been taking their probiotics every day for years, and in, in full disclosure, the team at Just Thrive have also become big fans of Healing Quest, and as a matter of fact, they help us bring this show to you every week. So when this report hit, we gave Just Thrive's Chief Science Officer, Karen Christian a call to get his view on what's going on here. As, as a result, Karen is joining us now via Zoom from his home base in Chicago. Hi,
2: Karen. Hi, Judy. Hey, Roy. Great to be with you.
0: So this report comes from the American Gastroenterological Association. Did I get that right? <laughs> <Close>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but you did yeah. it. <laughs> Let's just call them AGA. What do we know yeah. about this group?
2: <laughs> you know, this is the organization that organizes American gastroenterologists. So it's it's your straight allopathic gastroenterologist um, this is the organization that, that helps with creating practice standards and evaluating uh, procedures and gives opinions on um, the standard of care in gastroenterology. Um, you know, very similar to the American Medical Association, the American Heart Association, and so on.
1: So basically, these are the people that would be telling you which drugs you should be taking.
2: Yeah. And that's a very important thing to distinguish in this report, right? We are talking about uh, people who are extremely well-trained in gastroenterology, um, but more so in the surgical and pharmaceutical interventional side of gastroenterology. Gastroenterologists are not the research or clinical leaders in probiotics or the microbiome. But gastroenterologists, in fact, have been um, uniquely absent from the conversation of the microbiome in general. Microbiome research work is being led by researchers in microbiology, in certain types of clinical practice, um, researchers in virology, in immunology. Those are the people that are really driving the understanding and the research around the microbiome, and then, of course, by extension, around probiotics. Um, So gastroenterologists, it's a a little bit outside of their scope. So it's important to understand what kind of lens they are looking at Mm -hmm. when they look at this kind of information.
0: I'm just actually uh, looking at a quote from the report, which says, for the majority of the digestive diseases we study, currently there is not enough evidence to recommend using probiotics. You know, we just spent the last few weeks, uh, some time with you looking at all the research you guys have, have funded and published. I mean, including like the leaky gut study, do you think that that just wasn't in their scope of review?
2: Yeah. So uh, a couple of things that are important to point, point out in their review. Number one, they only reviewed us-based studies, right? There's, oh, there's tens of thousands of studies coming out of, um, all of the parts of the world. But as far as I understand, they only reviewed us-based studies, which is an An important distinction. So that's a much smaller collection of the types of studies available to them. Now, number two, in large part, I do agree with them, right? You know, as we've talked about on the show many a times, that the vast majority of probiotics that are marketed to people out there really have not had any sort of scientific validation. Um, They are what I've uh, used on, on your program, a term called kitchen sink formulas. Where they simply throw a number of strains together with arbitrary dosing, assuming that there is efficacy. Um, you know, so in large part, that I, I agree with them in many ways that the vast majority of probiotics that people have access to just don't have substantiation to them. you know, but it is important to distinguish that there are probiotics that have substantiation. Now, one of the problems with the substantiation, is how they distinguish subsequent uh, uh, adequate uh, evidence versus how you would normally um, you know, define adequate evidence, right? So as a gastroenterologist who's trained in pharmacological um, approach to GI diseases, you are looking and comparing things to the known and, w- and widely used drugs that they're used to using. And in particular, they focus on conditions like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, IBS, right? So those are, and C. diff uh, treatment. So they talk a lot about those particular conditions. And and the drugs that they use to treat those conditions have a number of studies that are very specific to those conditions um, with marginal um, efficacy and lots and lots of risk. But those are things that within their frame of work, they are willing to accept right? Like any other pharmaceutical, uh, it all comes with risks and side effects. Um, the medical community is willing to accept those risks and side effects for the marginal or certain level of benefit that they, they presume they'll get. Now, that's how they're looking at it. Now, when you're looking at a probiotic, you don't have probiotic studies with that type of focus in part because you can't do those studies, right? So it, it is almost unfair for them to judge probiotics with the frame and the lens of looking at it in comparison to the pharmaceuticals that they're used to. Because if I wanted to do a study on the management of ulcerative colitis in patients with my probiotic, right? And in order to do that study with the highest degree of of, of scientific uh, validation, I would have to do it where those patients are not taking their normal ulcerative colitis medications. Because if they're taking the medications and they're taking the probiotic and there's some benefit uh, in, when, you, when you look at them together, then it could be argued that a lot of the benefit came from the medications. So in order for me to actually do a study on the effect of the probiotic and the condition, I have to take them off all their medications. And then I have to put them on just the probiotic alone. The problem with that is the FDA doesn't allow that. And, the, and, and no researcher would do that study because there's too much liability in taking people off of medications that are deemed to be part of the standard of care. It means you're putting patients at undue risk. And the FDA doesn't allow you to study supplements, which is what probiotics are, for disease treatment. It, they just don't allow you to do that, right? I could, if I submitted a study like that and, and indexed it on clinicaltrials.gov, I would get in trouble because the supplement is not a drug, and you're not allowed to actually study drug outcome or, or disease outcomes with your supplement, especially if you have to take the patients off of the standard of care. So, so their way of looking at this is completely unfair because probiotic companies, the very few that, that invest in research, cannot do the studies that they would consider to be adequate evidence for using them in treatment of these conditions, right? And again, nobody in the probiotic space should be promoting the probiotic as a treatment for any of these conditions, right? Probiotics are nutrition. They do very important things that help and support proper function in the gut. And that's just not the lens in which these guys are looking at it, right? So that's that's it's very important to distinguish how a gastroenterologist who's trained in pharmacopoeia, who's trained in pharmaceutical interventions and trained to look at pharmaceutical studies, how they look at things like probiotics, they will compare it and look at it within the lens of a pharmaceutical. And it's not a pharmaceutical. Let me just say this too. This is absolutely no surprise because through the history of the supplement industry anytime there is an ingredient or category of ingredients that is really gaining in popularity mm-hmm. um, that that the markets are expanding because people are seeing lots of benefit from it you know lots of people are talking about it even lots of people in the medical field are promoting it then you get one of these kind of review studies that come out and says actually there's no real effect we've had dozens of these kind of studies coming out on vitamins right over the last couple of decades. You can dig them up and see, you know, every five, six years, some study comes out and goes, actually, vitamin E does nothing. Actually, <laughs> vitamin C does nothing, you know, like, and <laughs> so probiotics are the new hot thing. Um, and so don't be surprised if you see these kind of studies every few years to kind of quell some of the growth within okay. the probiotic industry. This helps uh, the people that really do well uh, with digestive issues, and that's some of the pharmaceutical areas. So what's really interesting to point out in, what, in the article is they do give in some areas, right? So in some areas they go, these specific conditions actually have enough evidence to say that probiotics could be useful. These conditions, we don't think there's enough evidence, right? So when you look at the two condition, the two sets of conditions, it becomes really clear why in some cases they're willing to give and why in some cases they're not. For example, the kind of conditions that they say uh, can be substantiated by uh, the use of probiotics is uh, to treat preterm babies who are born with low birth weight to reduce the number of days they need full feed and they need shortened time in hospitals, right? That's a very specific condition. They're saying there's enough probiotic evidence that you can use probiotics for this. Well, what is the drug intervention for that? There isn't any. Right. So, if there's no drug intervention, then they're much more expanded on their thinking. The next thing they say uh, in the prevention of C. Diff infection, right? There isn't a drug right now that's approved for the prevention of C. Diff treatment. So, where there's no drug, they have they have a lot more open mindedness um, in the management of post surgical pouchitis that's another one they go, the complications uh, aso- associated with ulcerative colitis um, surgical, uh, surgical intervention, this, there's this issue of pouchitis. There isn't a definitive drug for that management. They will try different things like antibiotics, steroids, and so on, but there isn't a here's drug A that manages pouchitis. So in areas where they don't have pharmaceutical interventions that they're comfortable with. They're willing to be more expansive in looking at other therapies. But then, the, in the very next paragraph, they're very clear that in things like ulcerative colitis, in Crohn's, and IBS, there's not enough evidence. Although there's lots of studies on probiotics in those conditions, but they do have drug interventions that they're very comfortable with, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the perspective. It's it's really comes comes down to training the lens that they view things, um, in practice, where they're comfortable with what what the tools they have, and then in areas where they don't have really good tools, they become a little bit more open-minded and expansive.
1: That's a great explanation. Do you have any idea who funded this
2: study? You know, I don't. Um, if I were to guess, it'd be some sort of pharmaceutical consortium. Uh, that would be my guess. That's typically the the studies on like vitamins don't really do anything. Yeah. Vitamin C doesn't do anything. Vitamin E doesn't do anything. Those typically, when you dig into them, you find find that they that there's research consortiums that are typically funded by pharma companies. I don't know about it with this one. I haven't been able to look into it yet. But that would be my guess. Um, because this kind of study is not cheap to do, right? It, this is they didn't actually study anything. This is a review, right? So that's another important thing to note. This is um, a, a few people uh, that are part of the AGA that kind of spent some time reviewing studies that they found. Um, oh. And and again, they for from what I understand, they only looked at U.S. based studies. They didn't look at thousands of studies that are available uh, from Europe and Asia and other parts of the world. Um, So this is like a kind of a cursory, I would say cursory review. Um, And, and, but it's still not cheap and these kind of reviews have to be funded by somebody. So ultimately, because this doesn't really create any discovery, you can't get a grant for this kind of review very easily from like the NIH. So, who has an interest in funding something like this? And that's kind of where you have to look at
1: things. Mm, I wonder who that would be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and
2: and throughout the article there's this commentary on other uh, gastroenterologists or professors of medicine and, and, and so on. Uh, and this is on the CNN um, health mm-hmm. article about the study. And, and they point out a couple of important things, you know, like, um, for, for example, this uh, this Lynn McFarlane, who's an associate professor of uh, medical chemistry at the University of Washington, she does point out and say that the review had not taken into account research done outside of the U.S., uh, which has shown that certain probiotics can be effective in shortening duration of things like acute diarrhea in children uh, and so on. In fact, probiotics are actually prescription drugs in other parts of the world for those kind of treatments. You know, she, um, she also mentions that it's important to note that not all probiotics are created equal. Some probiotic strains and mixtures are very effective for some types of diseases and should not be overlooked due to the studies that lump all probiotics together as one that's again one of the big issues i have with these kind of things because when you look at the headlines from this study the in the media it the headlines are super general like probiotics have no value or probiotics don't seem to work right and they just lump all probiotics together into one category and and that just doesn't make any sense you know it just, it, it just has no there's no rationale for being able to do that. I think the um, I can't remember what the CNN article on this was titled, but it was titled something like probiotics have, you know, little efficacy or little function or something like that. Right. Despite Despite the hype. Despite Despite the hype. hype. Yes. Despite the hype. Yep. Um, And again, you know, that's, not really taking a a productive (laughs) view at it. And, you know, let let me point out still that in part, some of their conclusions are true. There is a lot of nonsense in the probiotic industry. And as you guys know, um, you know, we've been kind of rallying against that for a long time. We've always, um, you know, Challenge probiotic companies to step up and to increase research spending on research and do studies because th- there's a huge opportunity here to really improve people's health and wellness in a dramatic way if we do the studies to prove it.
0: And um, you know we don't want to be the only ones out there doing that. Thank goodness you you are out there doing that. Thanks, Kieran. We've been speaking with Kieran Krishnan of Just Thrive Probiotics about a controversial report from the American Gastroenterological Association questioning the effectiveness of probiotics for gut health. You can learn more about Just Thrive's extensive research into the effectiveness of their spore-based probiotics at justthrivehealth.com. That's justthrivehealth.com.
1: Up next, a tip about one of Roy's favorite foods Uh, that's not only a great part of any menu, but also gives your immune system a healthy boost if they're the right kind. I think you're really going to like what we've discovered.
0: And don't forget, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest shows are available on our website at HealingQuest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks. And you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Healing Quest is brought to you by Clearlight Infrared, makers of jacuzzi saunas whose infrared heating technology penetrates deep to boost the immune system, increase blood flow, reduce stress, and detox naturally. You can learn more about jacuzzi saunas at infraredsaunas.com. That's infraredsaunas.com. And use the promo code Healing Quest. Or you can call Clearlight at 1-800-798-1779. That's one eight hundred seven nine eight seventeen seventy nine.